who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll see what they show up for and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody and welcome uh, to a brand new uh, spoiler review episode here of uh, Star Trek Stranger World Season 2 Episode 10, the finale. Michael, what a finale we got in this one. Madness all around, craziness all around. Uh, we got so much to get into. I am the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. You are Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And we are the Geek it's a saturday morning as we're recording this and we are very excited to jump in and talk about this finale what a finale for season two mike we've been talking about it every week uh what a joy it's been to review these things with you both star trek season three and this and it's just been banger upon banger upon banger uh every week uh, with these two seasons back to back it's been fantastic mike so um so much happened in this one hegemony is that my right? Uh, you know i've never said that word before in my life so i hope i'm saying hegemony it right. hegemony, hegemony that's it hegemony like hermione but hegemony all right fine hegemony sure. what a fantastic uh season two finale episode we got the gorn back in all their alien xenomorph glory we got some more with nurse chapel and spock maybe some ideas that it could be more here uh, as i predicted Battelle, captain Battelle, possibly in danger of losing her life here with Pike there, and uh, we get the introduction of Lieutenant Scotty. That's right, Montgomery Scott is officially in this canon of the uh, of the of the, the of the animated of the sorry of the Strange New Worlds. So much uh, got jumped, and then boom at the end, Michael, a to be continued to get us excited. Uh, uh, shades of the Menagerie from the original series, shades of the best of both worlds in the uh, Star Trek Next Generation. So. 
your thoughts overall as you had have had now a couple of days to really savor and process this finale for uh, season two? I mean, it was a banger. It was great. I loved it. I mean, I think that at this point, if you've been listening to our reviews every week, it's probably sounding like a broken record because we really enjoyed every episode this season. Um, but I think what they did, I mean, honestly, guys, to go from a Lower Decks animated crossover <laughs> into a musical episode yeah. into a let's just go full Ridley Scott, James Cameron, Aliens with the Gorn. Like, yeah. I mean, they're really just stretching the limits. It really does remind me when I was, when I first moved out to LA and I was taking a storyboarding class at the Animation Union, yeah. I got in a big argument with my professor because he said that sci-fi was not a genre Ooh. all by itself. He's like, sci-fi is not a genre. And I'm like, uh, I am a nerd and I love sci-fi and sci-fi is absolutely a genre. And he was like, no, he's like, sci-fi is not a genre. Sci-fi is a location. And in that location, you can do whatever. You can do noir sci-fi like Blade Runner. Wow. You can do action sci-fi like Aliens. Mm -hmm. You can do horror sci-fi like Alien. And at the time I didn't fully agree with him and I still don't fully agree with that. But <laughs> I think it really rings true for this season of yeah. Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I think what they have done with this season particularly is say, hey, we are Star Trek. Yeah. We Every episode that we yeah. do is going to feel Star Trek. We yeah. are the Federation. We have some classic characters, but within that, we're going to do every single thing under the sun that we can think of. We're going to do out-and-out -out comedy. We're going to do a musical. We're going to do an animated crossover. We're going to do some callbacks to classic stuff. We're going to do yeah. really thoughtful legal dramas. We're going to do all-out action in this finale, and they pulled it off. And yeah. Yeah. throughout all of it, they've stayed true to what they wanted to do with these characters they've put the characters and their relationships and their kind of emotional uh journeys mm. at the forefront so it never felt like a gag like with the musical episode or the lower decks episode right. i think we talked about them like it wasn't just a hey look what they did this is so funny but it doesn't really matter to the rest of the season like laon and kirk pike and Battelle, uh chapel and spock um you know ortegas wanting to go on an away mission uhura figuring out how sh how who she is and where she fits on the enterprise like all of these things have carried through the season We've learned more about characters like Mbenga. Yeah. Um, and then it all kind of came together in the first part of this epic story. Uh, and look, they made the Gorn scary. Yes, they did. Like the Gorn, Goodness. up to this point, when you say the Gorn, you think of a young William Shatner fighting a dude in a very bad lizard costume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. <laughs> to take the Gorn and kind of like, you know, throw a xenomorph and a lizard suit into a blender, blend it up, pour it out, and yeah. give you what you got. Like, it was thrilling and scary and creepy and just a banger episode of star trek yeah and i like they don't shy away from the xenomorph illusions they're not like going like no this is original how, how could you compare them no they lean into it make connections to it as a tongue-in-cheek I mean, respect for the alien franchise and for the creation of those xenomorphs since the first alien movie i i mean look when battelle is face to face with that gorn and then it backs away for yeah. no reason okay, and leaves 
it's Alien 3. Yeah. It's literally the most famous shot from <laughs> Alien 3. Like, there's when she when Pike was like, what's wrong? And she was like, nothing. And I was like, she got babies in her. She got babies. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like, the, yeah, the, the, the Ridley Scott. I mean, all really all three, though. I mean, kind of the yeah, horror of elements yeah. of the Gorn, like, chapel kind yeah. of walking through the ruins of the saucer. Very yeah. much Ridley Scott. But Pike and Ortegas and Mbenga... Uh, and Sam kind of walking through the city with the guns hunting down the Gorn, very much James Cameron aliens. And then, yes, the Battelle moment with the Gorn, very much Alien 3. So definitely the alien references were big throughout. But to your point, also, like, we got Scotty. Yeah, yeah. Scotty is on board. So, like, that's really great. So just a lot of really, really interesting stuff going on. And, I mean, I honestly feel like, we might be living in like a golden age of Star Trek right it now. It is guys. absolutely. I mean, Star Trek Discovery walked and stumbled and occasionally ran so that Picard season three and Strange New World seasons one and two can run like crazy. I mean, it just and lower feels- decks. Oh, and, and lower, lower decks. decks. Yes, of course. And right. and I, I keep apologize. telling y'all, I mean, who knows where season two is going to show up, but don't sleep on Prodigy either. It is, yeah, it's not point, just Michael. a kid's show. It absolutely. is good. And if you love Janeway, yeah. you're going to love you some Prodigy. So like we really like, and that doesn't even get into the upcoming Starfleet Academy or right. uh, the... short treks, which have been great. People have loved yeah. the short treks as well. Yeah, yeah. So like we've been doing great. And I uh, I've been telling other people what we've said on our reviews in the past few weeks. Yeah. And particularly with Scotty showing up that like I honestly would be down for two or three more seasons with this crew and then slowly transitioning over and give me the OG yep. team with this cast and start yep. telling stories. And I'd be in, like, I think it's that strong. Yeah. You know, I said this a few weeks ago, it feels like that's where they're heading towards since maybe the beginning by teasing the fact that we know what the end point of Pike is going to be, which we saw on the menagerie, the original series two-parter that is my favorite episode of Star Trek episodes of Star Trek. We know where Pike ends up. So slowly introducing members of the crew that are going to take over the enterprise in interesting ways seems like that's where we're going and i think they had to slowly get us used to these characters they had to hope that the rollouts worked and that a majority of the fans enjoyed it and it seems like they have been and certainly i enjoyed the scotty rollout in this episode yeah i really like this episode thoroughly enjoyed where we went with it in terms of the relationships really enjoyed the fear that the Gorn, the horror elements of it, as you alluded to here, but also the idea here of old Star Trek, right? Of the original series, Star Trek. Oh, uh, you know, they want to create a Midwestern town in the middle of space, you know, that kind of thing that you would see in like the original series that they do because the production value wasn't that high in a lot of these episodes because they didn't have a lot of money to create these episodes. So something doing simple like that works overall as well as alluding to it but also so much more in these relationships that we got in this episode as well that I thought was really great. We're seeing, and you know, they didn't mention Una. Una also on her journey here. Yeah. I mean, Pike saying, I need you here on the ship, essentially saying you are a captain in waiting. You are a captain in training, kind of like what we saw in Picard season three with Jerry Ryan. You're a captain in training. uh, And so I'm going to need to go down and I might be risking my life, but I know the enterprise is in good hands. You got to stay here. I know you want to come, but you got to stay here. So you see that. Uh, in how that's developing as well in her in her journey and so everyone has been having their moments uh, for sure and it's been fun to see um so let's get into it first of all um hegemony yeah hegemony is <laughs> hegemony, hegemony hegemony god damn it hegemony is hegemony is the political economic and military predominance of one state over other states certainly we see the gorn being called that uh, there by admiral april well, 
uh, in the episode. Yes, and I think in, and I think in like the uh, you know expanded universe of Star Trek stuff, uh, the yeah. Gorn have always been called like the Gorn hegemony is is what they've been called uh, yeah. in the history of Star Trek. You know, for me, I'm going to put an extra H in there. I think that's going to help me say it correctly. Hegemony. Hegemony. All right, here we go. It's directed by Marja Virvilo. I hope I got that right. Who directed episodes of Picard, Discovery, and Short Treks. And it's written by showrunner Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsman. Uh, and uh, Henry Alonzo Myers has six writing credits, uh, but this is his first solo credit here. Uh, and he also, uh, and uh, Mike, uh, oh, sorry, Marja Virvilo also helped season one's Children of the Comet. And we've seen the Gorn teased, Mike, since the first episode. Yeah. Uh, of uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And then this uh, episode in this season, The Broken Circle, which was the premiere, mentioned that, that this is going to happen eventually between them. Uh, so we see that. So we're going to break this thing down here, uh, old school style, as we used to do in the Geek Buddies. I'm going to go section. I've just split the episode up into three sections, and we're going to discuss the actions in the sections. All right. I didn't want to do storylines this time around. I wanted to focus on action. So let's get it right, going. Ready. Episode, ready. Are you ready? Okay. Ready. The episode opens just outside a Federation space here on Parnassus uh, Beta or Parnassus Beta. Captain Battelle is doing the ship's log voiceover here as the beginning. She uh, she talks to us and tells us Parnassus Beta is a colony modeled after a 20th century Midwestern town, as I just mentioned. We see that Chapel, Nurse Chapel, is giving vaccinations here. We get a Dr. Corby reference, and then Chapel beams up to the Cayuga, which is uh, Captain Battelle's ship. Uh, Pike calls Battelle to check up on her, but their call is cut short as a massive Gorn ship appears out of the clouds like something out of Independence Day or District 9. Uh, Parnassus is able to get a distress call out from Captain Battelle, which the Enterprise receives, and they go, and you know Pike, he goes immediately into rescue mode. While they're going into rescue mode, Pike talks to Admiral April, who warns Pike about not letting his feelings get in the way of things because it, it could spark a war with the Gorn. They also have an exchange about calling some people we don't understand monsters. I'm going to get to my overall analysis of that, but I think that's really interesting. When they get there, they see, the, they, they see that the Gorn have already struck here and blocked out communication. The Cayuga is destroyed. But they don't have, they, but they can't find any life signs. So where is Nurse Chapel? And then more Gorn show up with a message showing a line, a demarcation line here, Mike. It's basically saying you guys need to stay on your side of the line, or there's going to be trouble. Pike calls a meeting uh, of all his senior people there on the ship. Says he's going to go uh, violate this uh, line and go and get these people out of there, including his uh, love, their Captain Battelle. Uh, Spock, Una, and Uhura want to help, but he wants them to stay on the ship. But Sam, Laant, Mabenga, and eventually Ortegas volunteer to be part of this crew to go down there and pike reveals that he's got anti-gorn weapons in crate 32 which he has transported into there for them to take a look at they can track the gorn they can stun the gorn they can kill the gorn with these weapons now based on their experiences with the gorn from last season so mike hell of an opening hell of an intro certainly laying the stakes and what the um, what the uh, intentions and the drive of these characters are going into what we're going to get into the meat of the episode so what do you think of this beginning what do you think of laying the groundwork all this the exchanges between everybody and this crate of gore anti-gorn weapons i mean like you know this is just really great pacing i mean they dive right into everything they give you this really nice opening with Battelle. you see chapel leave you get everything going and then yeah that ship shows up and you know every week when we review the marvel shows and when we review <laughs> the star wars shows and we're like why was it why was yes. it only 29 minutes and did they do this and were the effects good? And you're like, well, you know, the budget is whatever. But then you look at like something like that ship coming in on Strange New Worlds and you're like, well, fuck, guys, you got to <laughs> you got to catch up. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you because because that looks great. 
Yeah. It looks great. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, even seeing like that Starfleet ship crash, which comes into play later, you're like, yes, all right. The so, like, you yeah. just you jump right into it, get to the Enterprise, see what's going on. Like, they're like, all right, all hands on deck. Let's see what's going on. You, you, and to your point, I really did love the exchange about monsters. Yeah. Where Admiral April's like, look, monster is just a word that we use and we don't understand something. And just see Pike just like, not about it. Yep. He's, he's like, like well, I don't have time for that kind of discussion right now. He's like, yeah. they're fucking monsters. Like, they are giant lizard people. I'm dumb. I'm out. Um, and then, you know, you get the typical. It It is so typical, but you like it every time. Hey, I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to do this. I can't ask you to go with me. We're all in. You're like, yeah, all right, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's do this thing. And then, yeah, beaming the weapons in. Uh, this is the first of many times that, like, I started to be like, oh, yeah, we're going full aliens. Because, like, one of the yeah, big things between right. – Alien, Ridley Scott's Alien and Aliens right. is Alien. That thing was impenetrable. Like right. none of the weapons they had on that ship could hurt that thing because it, it wasn't was a military impossible. ship. It was right. A, it so was, like they had a, they yeah, had no transport. ability. Yeah, like yeah. that thing was you didn't know where it was coming from. Right. You couldn't hurt it. It was just this an unstoppable monster. And when we saw the Gorn in season one, it yeah. played fully like that. Like that, it was full alien. Yeah. And here you set things up right off the bat with, oh no no, we're James Cameroning here. We can track him, we can shoot him, we can kill him. Like we're going in, and we're not fucking around. Yeah. And I was like, all right, here we go. Let's do this thing. And you know, we I think we called it last week. Another another thing that I'm very happy that they didn't do. Yeah. Um. You know, you had said last week. I don't know that Patel makes it out through this episode. Right. And look, I. The word fridging gets thrown around all the time, and I was just waiting for it to get thrown around if this happened. That yeah. had Battelle just been dead. Right. Had right. like Battelle, like we had stopped. been, if we had had this relationship all season, and then Battelle just was gone and that was it, she was off the show. It, it wouldn't have exactly been the worst thing in the world, but I think it would have been a waste of a nice character. 100%. So yeah, yeah. I was very happy to see that that is not what they did. And I think what they did with her is very, very interesting. Now, she still might not. Right. Make it out of the beginning of season three. Like, we'll see. So there's right. still a question. But I think the way they handled it was really good. And it makes, no matter what happens to her, she is still very, um, she's a captain who's making her own decisions. Yes. Right, right, right. And not robbed of her own autonomy. And so I think that they did a really nice job with her. Like, I've I've quite, like, I've quite come to like Marie Battelle. Like, I think she's yeah. a fun character. Like, I get that we don't dive into a ton with her and like her and Pike's relationship we haven't like delved into in the same way that we have with like Chapel and Spock but yeah. I think that she's a really great actress and she's brought a lot to the character and I like her as Battelle. Yeah I absolutely do as well I like this intro laying the groundwork for everything that's going on we're slowly you know figuring out that the Gorn are more than just lizard we're throwing little seeds here that there's going to be a better understanding between the Gorn and uh, the Federation, you know, and it clearly sometimes when you're in the war, it's hard to see the bigger picture of the war. Uh, and of course, those people up there, you can hate the people up there or you can like what they're doing. It all depends on your point of view and perspective. But they have bigger things to worry about. Whereas on the ground, Pike can have the luxury to be like, I want to kill these guys. Mm -hmm. They're just reptiles, whatever. But this is just like the Klingon, right? The Klingons rather in the original series. Initially, kill the Klingons. They're always evil no matter what. But eventually, as things progressed, there was a, a respect and appreciation for the Klingons. And I wonder if that will happen for the Gorn as uh, things progress. Because remember, Kirk doesn't kill that Gorn in the original series. And this is a younger Kirk we're seeing here 
Kirk may learn the lessons from Pike's experiences with the Gorn. Things may change. So that's the reason Kirk doesn't kill the Gorn, even though it does attack him on that planet in that episode in the original series. So I think that's an interesting element of this. It's like bubbling like seven layers below uh, in the writing of this episode. And, and, you know, like we said, like they, you know, each episode has kind of been its own thing this season and I think a really successful way. But when you look at some of the bigger elements throughout the season, uh, the Federation's um, really harsh laws against anybody with genetic modification. Right. And they're kind of, uh, it's not speciesism, but there ism about people with genetic modifications. Um, Everything with the Klingons, with Mbenga and the Klingons, with Ortegas and the Klingons, with anyone who fought in the Klingon war and their feeling about Klingons. And now this thing with the Gorn where they are completely alien. Like, they are so different from right. us. But, but intelligent. unlike aliens, yeah. they are smart. Like, yeah. they have technology. They have their own ships. They have, like, there's something going on with the Gorn. Um, and so I think that for people that are like, oh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is all over the place, just doing its weird stuff. Like, it is doing weird stuff. Mm. But some of the bigger themes throughout in the way that we deal with the othering of people, the way that yeah. we look at people from different species, yeah. from different races, from different cultures, like that which Gene Roddenberry baked in mm-hmm. day one from Star Trek is still happening really, really well in yeah. Strange New Worlds while they're doing all this other crazy stuff. I agree with you, Michael. And that's like 100% the way I kind of, when I looked back at it after doing all the, uh, you know, preparing for the review, I rewatched it again from a symbolism point of view. And certainly there is something to be said about an alien force entering a small town, killing a lot of people and impregnating uh, certain people with their species, right? With their thoughts, with their abilities, using them as shells to push narratives, right? No matter what side of the political spectrum you are on, you can other the other side and think they're the ones going into small towns and warping people, killing their free thinking, killing their free speech, implanting their ideas in them to turn them into monsters so that we can call them monsters. So those are those things that you see that are symbolic in what's happening, but they're universal in that it depends on your political point of view. You can take it in any way, but in essence, you it works on the surface, but it also works in a symbolism way when you look below it. Yep. And that's always, the social stuff is, Commentary has always been a part of Star Trek. It's always been "quote unquote" woke, and that's what people sometimes uh, somehow Star are oblivious to. So Star Trek went woke and broke on day one, but y'all, it just—I <laughs> don't know about broke, but certainly woke. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't last as many seasons as other shows. Well, there were some lean years. You're not wrong, Mike. You're not wrong. <laughs> All right, uh, I do. Let's take. Well, no, actually, let's get into the meat of this, and then we'll have a discussion and take a break. So I like to put one break in our reviews here. All right, yeah, uh, and let's jump in from where I left off here. Ortegas comes up with this awesome plan to make the shuttle look like space garbage. And he is you going, mean, and she is. You mean what, the Han Solo plan? Yeah, you know, sure. The Han Solo plan. Fine. Um, but it's great. But uh, Pike, I love how Pike turns it around. Ortega says, hey, look, you wanted to be part of a landing party, didn't you? And I love Ortega's uh, reaction. Yeah, why did I do that? And anyway, it's so funny. When they land, they see, essentially, as Michael mentioned, a post-apocalyptic looking wasteland. Uh, to me, it reminded me of The Last of Us and a weird Gorn beacon tower that explains the communications blackout. We see some Gorn younglings show up, and Lon notices that they're not behaving like typical Gorn younglings. They're actually cooperating rather than fighting each other for dominance. Uh, and I said this eventually leads to a Vogel Roca scene with Vogel as Pike and Mies Lon. Pike like Vogel, ever the optimist. Me like Lon, ever the pessimist, with the hope that it might work out, but prepared that it probably won't. Uh, Pike suggests there's something about the Gorn we've yet to discover. 
Pike's optimism uh, here, I think, is really interesting uh, to analyze and look at because he was calling them aliens and monsters. But look how he's slowly kind of and analyzing the things that are changing in real time, which I think is really important here. Pike says there's always a choice. And Lon says, yeah, you've told me that one before, which might be a reference to the uh, first episode of the series with Pike and Lon talking about uh, things between them and what she experienced at the hands of the Gorn. And he says there's surviving and then there's living. It's your choice. So a very interesting thing yeah. to see there. Uh, but before they can figure out why, they, uh, Sam picks up human readings um, and they track down the signal and are trapped in a force field that has been rigged by none other than Lieutenant Montgomery Scott here, played by Martin Quinn, who I remember from a small part in Dairy Girls. So if you guys haven't seen Dairy Girls, <laughs> I cannot recommend it enough. He's actually Scottish Martin Quinn. So nice to see him pop up in here. But he tells them he survived a previous Gorn attack, explains how he did it with jury rigging the shuttle and all of that, using the solar flares. And he also leads them to the survivors. Captain Patel is there amongst the survivors. And after a brief joyful hug, she's actually mad that Pike came because now he is in danger too, which speaks to the volume of her feelings for Pike. Back on the ship, Spock is defying logic here as, as he continues to look for Chapel uh, and other life signs on uh, the Coega there. And he explains to Una that things did not end well between him and Chapel, and he wants to apologize. She says it's not his fault. There's no crying or hugging like Goodwill Hunting, but certainly you get the message. And then Uhura enlists the help of Pelia with a crazy plan to uh, find this Gorn communications tower. They present it to Una and Spock. They triangulated the source of the Gorn's interference, and they think they can throw some space junk at it, knock it out, and avoid uh, avoiding the sort, sort of direct attack that would start the war. And they come up with a plan to put rockets on the Cayuga's saucer section and then gradually and believably drop it out of orbit and right into the tower. Spock volunteers to do it because he says no other human being can do it. Uh, Mike, heck of a heck of a middle part here. What do you think of this? Well, yeah, I mean, as you're going through it, you kind of uh, you kind of laid out why this is a banger episode. Yeah, because Ortegas gets to do some badass flying. Yes, she does. And they make and they and also okay. So just to be clear, as we're tracking references and homages, intentional Please. or otherwise, um, the let's pretend we're space garbage is. Almost verbatim what Han, Chewie, and Leia do in Empire Strikes Back to get away from the Empire. Like, they are space garbage. So, Ortegas, she's watched Empire a few times. But then, when they get to the planet and they drop, yeah. and the whole, like, I need to drop to this many feet before I oh, yeah. punch the engines, yeah, yeah. it's fully like the uh, the Marines landing in Aliens. Yes. Like, it's that drop. Like and so and, and it also just makes Ortegas awesome. Yeah. Like all of them kind of having their hard time, like Pike looking like he's fully going to blow chunks <laughs> and Ortegas just grinning the whole yeah, time really coming good. up at the end. And Pike just being like, man, you were born for this. Like, it's a great Ortegas moment. It's like, yeah. okay, you're my girl. You can fly in and out of anything. I'm on board. So Ortegas, great moment. Yeah. And then you have this awesome exchange between Laon and Pike uh, once they are on the planet. And yeah. exactly what you said, it's the, eternal Roka Vogel argument, but it is, you know, and you get La'an's feelings about the Gorn and you get Pike just being the, we're going to find a way. I mean, to yeah. La'an, to Battelle, like Battelle's like, we can't, your shuttle's not going to get everybody out of here. He's like, we're going to get some people out of here and then we're going to figure out a way. Like Pike is fully like, we are going to make this work and save everybody, every which is very important yes. for when we get to the end of this episode. Yeah. So Pike has a great moment. La'an has a great moment. Then you get this Scotty moment. Now, when you introduce a classic Trek character 
you know, it can go wrong a lot of ways. Like it can be like, uh-huh. that was cheesy. That was silly. I don't like how you did it. That doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, but to have them all get trapped in this really brilliant plan and the dude shows up and he opens his mouth and starts talking and you're like, it's Scotty. Like, it's gotta be Scotty. Like, listen, this accent is Scotty. Like, is it, is it not Scotty? Like, it's gotta be Scotty. And he's like, oh yeah, Lieutenant Montgomery Scott. And you're like, it's Scotty. <laughs> like it, it, it just, I think everybody was thrilled and it was a total blindside. Like yeah. I hadn't read about it. I didn't know that Nothing. Scotty was going to be in this episode. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really satisfying, fun, nerdy Star Trek moment. And then back on the ship, you know, Una gets this really great, you know, she's talked this whole season or sung about um, (laughs) opening herself up and being really more um, there for her crew emotionally. And so then you get this moment in the finale where she's really there for Spock emotionally. And you see Spock doing his Vulcan best to keep his emotions in check, but freaking out about Chapel. And then I also think it speaks volumes, Michael, that he's even able to open up and share that with uh una that shows you that in the his embracing in the his human vulcan, side yeah works. in yeah. his vulcan slash human way like yeah. as much as he's trying to keep it in he still is like i the last thing i said to her was not good like i yeah. i need i need her i need her to be okay and it was yeah. like it was a really touching moment yeah. and then uhura gets to come up with pelia with the awesome plan yeah which also kind of brings their relationship to the forefront as she's been sort of avoiding her throughout the season because she was really close to hammer and now the two of them come up with this awesome plan and it's an awesome plan so now you've got pike and the team on the ground yeah. with Battelle, and we've got to figure out what we're going to do to get everybody out You've got Uhura and the team coming up with this awesome plan, and you've got Spock being like, okay, well, y'all humans are not as precise as me, so I'm going to fly over here um, into darkness style, and I am going to place all these rockets on this giant saucer and crash the fucking saucer into the thing. And so (laughs) as far as, like, the this is what the plan is, like, it is very clear, it is very straightforward, and it's very awesome to watch. Yeah, I agree. There was so much uh, genius in this in this middle section of the show, from Scotty explaining how he was able to escape the Gorn and everything that he did to kind of escape the Gorn. And by the way, very reminiscent of Simon Pegg's interpretation, obviously with shades to James Doohan's interpretation uh, there. But uh, once again, seems like he's going to be a part of the Star Trek Enterprise by accident, like uh, the uh, to, like the 2009 Star Trek situation happens with simon Pegg, and i like that i think martin quid did a wonderful job completely evoking and you know you could easily be like no but it worked so well because we are slowly fitting in all the pieces of the enterprise here in terms of the crew depending on what happens to scotty in season three i imagine he's going to get on that ship and take pelly a spot eventually but you're setting it all up here in the way that it's working i think it's so fun to see but again we get the Battel and pike stuff i love that i love that back and forth i love her saying to him you're an idiot for coming here now you're in danger one of us has to survive one of us are captains and one of us the only negative i think a little bit is we don't get to see her mourn her crew members who have died and it's a it's a shame because we haven't had separate episodes with right. uh, Captain Battelle and her crew and all of that. So you kind of have to give the show that a little bit of understanding in that situation. But you would like to hopefully maybe down the road have some short treks once, of course, the strike has resolved and all of that, that we get a little more time to understand. Um, the Cayuga. What's that? The Cayuga. Yeah. Battelle's yeah. Uh, ship in the Cayuga. Yeah. All of that. Just a little more time, I think, would be nice. But yeah, all of that works so well and again we get this idea of intelligence right how do we figure this out okay uhura yeah as you said so well 
working with Pele. Pele said, I've never, I love a crazy theory and don't, don't, uh, don't uh, censor yourself. Give it all to me. And they do figure out what they need to do. And of course, as we've seen numerous times in Star Trek, the smashing of the saucer ship, as we saw in Generations and other places, into something to either save people or we destroy love, something. We've seen we that happen saucer. many times. We love a saucer smash. We, <laughs> we love to love see it. Smash. But you know, we did. I mean, and we talked about this a lot in Picard season three finale as well. Yeah, like yeah. when you have this full cast of characters and you have these big stories and you want to do all this action and you want to hit these emotional beats and you want to have a cool yeah. moment, you want to do this, like orchestrating a story that allows you to let all of your characters shine yeah, yeah, yeah. in moments is, is very hard to do with a cast of this size. Yeah. And I think they did a lovely job of even like, I mean, we're not quite there. We'll get ahead. I'm getting a little slightly ahead of myself, but yeah. even like the nice exchange between um, Mbenga and Ortegas when they think that Chapel's yes. dead. I mean, like yeah. every character got a really nice moment in this episode. So yeah. that is, it's it's a real challenge and the fact that they did it and they did it so well yeah. is just really a testament to how well they know these characters and what they want to do and what they're trying to accomplish and the amount of time that will be enough for us as viewers to enjoy and not have it feel like it's dragging on too much or we need to move on to the next thing perfect amount of time every single time in these into these uh windows we have with them yeah it's the ultimate example of what you bring up a lot which is you mm. know oftentimes when we're watching a show usually a marvel show um <laughs> where you say that you want you know more about this character or more about this sure. character you want to know sure. more about this and you just feel like you didn't get enough time with this now star trek strange new worlds i mean sure the episodes are like more full hours whereas like secret invasion and some of the other things aren't but yeah, yeah. it's not that much longer Right. No, but right. Yeah. they are very smartly using like the, the, the scene with Ortegas and Mbenga is not a long scene. Yeah. But it gives us just enough of these characters that like we're checking in with everybody. And it really shows how it's not sometimes that you need to spend a ton of time with every mm -hmm. character. It's just being really smart about the time that you do spend. And this is an episode that really eloquently shows this is how it works when you spend the right amount of time with each of these characters. And you have a lead actor and lead character who is willing to be in the background of their stories for large chunks of sections of episodes, which I think works so well because it only establishes and reaffirms and solidifies our love for Anson Mount and our love for his version of Captain Pike. I mean, he was fantastic through this entire episode. Doesn't lose his cool, keeps it calm, but then at the end, which is why at the end when he's hesitating, which we'll get to, it's all the more chilling that he's hesitating and unsettling yeah. that he's hesitating because he's been so good and determined in being the optimist in the situation. I love that. Essentially, it's a Kobayashi Maru, Maru at the end. So It is um, very much a Kobayashi Maru. Right. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll jump into the last section of the show here uh, right after this. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. Kobayashi Maru, Kobayashi Maru, Kobe, Kobayashi Maru. That literally sounds like songs I used to sing in Hebrew school. It literally, oh, it sounds like Hebrew when you just start singing it like that. But uh, All right. I like that. I, I've never had that experience, but I like that. All right. Let's move on here. Back on Parnassus uh, Beta, Scotty tells Pike about a plan to slip the survivors and Pike's crew out by mimicking the Gorn signals, but they need pieces from Scotty's shuttle to do it. 
Uh, later on that night, uh, we see, as you mentioned, uh, Michael Mbenga and uh, and um, uh, Ortega's having a really sweet interaction about Christine, about Nurse Chapel. Can tell the genuine love they both have for her as a friend and as a person of the crew, which I thought was a really nice moment here. Yeah. Uh, Battelle catches Pike trying to sneak out because, of course, he is to get just that sh- piece of the ship from Scotty's shuttle uh, and says she's going with him. And Scotty, who apparently was over, was listening or over, uh, was uh, listening in uh, volunteers as well. And we see on the Cayuga that uh, Chapel has somehow survived uh, because, of course, she has people. She's not going to be dead like that. Uh, she gets the power back on the ship, but finds out that we run out of oxygen in an, like an hour, running out of oxygen in an hour. Spock, we see heads down, starts attaching rockets, and Chapel sees him, tries to get his attention, doesn't get his attention. And Spock's spacewalk invokes, as I mentioned, uh, or as Michael mentioned here earlier, we saw in uh, Into Darkness, but it also invokes the motion picture, Star Trek, yep. which he did. And I saw a reference here, and shout out to Denna Geek, that they referenced the animated series episode, Jihad, and we'll see how that comes into play a little bit later. Uh, Chapel puts on the space shoot. She's a suit. She's about to go meet Spock. When she runs into an adult Gorn, and I put this terrifying, utterly terrifying. It's the first time we've seen an adult Gorn in Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and it is fucking chilling. Uh, that Gorn later on confronts Spock, uh, just as Chapel has made it out there to, uh, to see Spock, and they both work together to kill that Gorn and send the Cayuga down to destroy the tower as they hold hands in space, Mike. Um, then Pike, Patel, and Scotty make it to the shuttle, but a Gorn youngling attacks them, screams at Patel, as Michael mentioned, this Alien 3 moment, but doesn't attack. Pike is puzzled as to why, and Patel reveals that she's been implanted with Gorn eggs, just like Hemmer from Season 1. She volunteers to sacrifice herself, just like Hemmer did in Season 1, to save the others, but Pike is like, no way. And then the space space junk just or the saucer destroys the tower, uh, and the, which is very reminiscent of Generations, and also happened uh, in Star Trek Beyond. So the transporting begins here. Spock and Chapel first uh, get up there first, and uh, there's a moment between them. Pike next with Battelle, but the imagery is weird as we see the um, uh, the rest of the townsfolk and the rest of the Enterprise crew get transported. It looks different than before, but Battelle and Pike are up there after he hugs Nurse Chapel because she's alive. He asks Christine to take care of Battelle and shows her the implanting. Battelle says to kill, tells Christine to kill her the second she knows she can't save her. Scotty and Pelia have a very funny reunion scene because of course he's one of her former students and she is the first one chronologically to call him Scotty in this timeline, not in Canada, obviously, because we've seen him be called Scotty for decades, but chronologically, first one to see Scott to call her call him Scotty. Then the Enterprise realizes they can't locate the rest of the landing crew and the survivors to beam them up because they've already been beamed up by the Gorn, who've begun attacking the Enterprise. Starfleet orders the Enterprise to leave the area, which would require Pike to abandon his people there. And for once, Pike is standing on the bridge of the ship and doesn't know what to do. And I looked, I paused it. Just before, just before we got that black frame, and I was like, "Wait, there's only three minutes left." And then the "to be continued" popped up on the screen. Michael, the dreaded "to be continued" popped up on the screen. So, your thoughts here as we go? Oops, sorry about that. Your thoughts as we go through Scotty's plan and everything needs to happen there, and then when we go through and boom aboard the ship, finding out about Patel, and then ending on a "to be continued." Please. 
Yeah, I mean, look, first, like, uh, it's probably going to come back later to be important that uh, Scotty's plan uh, and a lot of what he knows about the Gorn revolves around the fact that they uh, are acting weird and there's these giant solar flares happening um, and that the Gorn are somehow, like, like locusts yeah. uh, swarm for different reasons. So I think that you're starting to lay the groundwork for when we get to the beginning of Season 3, like... Hey, these are monsters. They're yeah. horrible. They are these evil creatures. Oh, why are they doing this? This is what's really going on. So, you know, you're laying the groundwork for the pieces that we're going to need yes. um, for what really is going on with the Gorn. Um, but yeah, perfectly good plan. Scotty masked his ship to look like a Gorn ship. He could do the same thing. Let's go get the thing, put it in the shuttle, get some people out of here. All right, great. Let's go. Um, chapel on the remains of that saucer was cool. Yeah. Like, Chapel running around a ruined starship was just a good vibe. Like, really well shot, really creepy. Her seeing Spock right away trying to get to him. And then, yeah, this Gorn, seeing something that's basically an alien xenomorph, but also in a spacesuit, is very upsetting. And And also trying to put in a code. Well, so that is the other thing. So you've got this adult Gorn, clearly intelligent. Uh, Like, it's scary. Like, it is Ridley Scott alien scary. Like, it is like, that is a very creepy moment. The tail sort of dropping the way that it does when she realizes, she thinks it's Spock and that tail drops. And you're like, it was creeping me out in all the right ways. Also... What was that Gorn trying to do? Yeah. I feel like that is something else that we're going to sort of run back mm-hmm. around to. Like, so this Gorn is on the remains of the Federation ship trying to get into something. Yes. Um, like, what is I going always... on with the Gorn? They are clearly not just like, let's go kill people and lay eggs. Like, it's not aliens. Mm-hmm. Like, aliens is scary because they are mindless drones that only their only job is to just, like, reproduce and spread as much as possible. That's what we thought. Yeah. Yeah, in the in the in the alien movies. And then with Gorn, there's something more going on. So really, really interesting stuff. Um the Spock Chapel Gorn fight was just a zero G fight. Cool. That was awesome. Just cool. Like I look, I'm well aware of the fact that Spock and Chapel are surviving this fight. I've seen yeah. the original series. I know they're not going down. <laughs> but when that Gorn wrapped his tail around Spock's throat, I was very much in the moment. Like I was feeling it. Chapel shooting that thing and then Spock like just slamming his mask to like uh break it so that like you know the cold vacuum of space took that thing out. Great sequence. And then the two of them floating up as the saucer sort of collapsed. Like, haven't seen anything that romantic in space since Wally and Eva did their space dance. Like, (laughs) I was into it. So that was all great. Great crash. You know, Scotty being like, hold on to something. Like I said, I already touched on the Battelle moment, which was just straight out of Alien 3. Like, you were like, she has babies in her. This is what's going on. Giant crash, huge explosion, boom, let's beam everybody up. Now, I did not notice when I first watched it that the beaming of everybody after Pike and Battelle go up, after Chapel and Spock make it onto the Enterprise, that everyone else beaming up is not exactly the same effect as the Enterprise beaming. It's green and kind of wibbly, and it is not the same. So I was like, when Spock was like, there's no humans on the planet, um... I was not ahead of it. Like, I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, neither was I. Shit. Um, And yeah, I think Kobayashi Maru is the exact right way to put this. Like, Pike, who, and this is why it's important, like, for the entire episode, like, I'm going to go get Battelle. I'm holding on to hope. They're on that planet. I'm going to go find them. Hey, I'm going to get you out of here. 
we're going to get some people out on a shuttle. We're going to figure this out. We've yeah. got this plan. Like, he's like, he, this whole episode is like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And he ends up in a situation where a significant number of people, period, and a significant number of people that he cares about are on a Gorn ship. Yeah. As far as we know, getting ready to be impregnated. Yeah. And the Gorn are attacking. And he literally does not know what to do. Like he has to make a choice and he has, there's no option. There's no way out. There's no, let's do this brilliant thing. Set phasers to stun do like he, there's nothing. He's got nothing. Um, And to leave him on that note and to leave us (laughs) to all like, think about for a good year, what is Pike going to do? It's a hell of a way to end a season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I texted you as I was, uh, when I was, I was like, what, what, what? I was so uh, frustrated, but then also uh, appreciated it because I mean, that's the confidence you need to have when you know, you've written a good season of Star Trek, right? Even at the beginning with Menagerie, the way they did it was to go back and repurpose the pilot for this, uh, for this uh, telling of this story. But they were confident enough with what they had already constructed to turn it into a two-part series. Really smart, a two-part uh, situation, a two-part episode. And in, and in Best of Both Worlds, same thing. Like They were confident that they'd established enough of a rhythm and they'd hit their prime as a, as a series here in Star Trek Next Generation to do a to-be-continued with the captain, with Riker, having to shoot on the board-controlled Picard situa- ship there. So you saw the... Ch- and then now we have Pike, in a way, mirroring that as well yeah. in that situation because Pike also knows that something is going to lead to him ending up in that wheelchair box, beeping yes or no to questions. Is this the decision that's going to lead him to that? And I think that's the first time we've really seen him uh, petrified in a not in a negative way just petrified wondering what to do because each decision will lead to some really yeah. big consequences because if he does go back there and the gorn see him he's essentially starting the federation war with the gorn yeah. by doing this if he doesn't he's leaving people to die and as we saw in the earlier part of the episode lawn pontificated that the gorn were doing this because there's nothing left to eat that they're they're, they're hungry and they're doing these things because they have no other food so what does that mean? You know, will, will they be killing even more people to eat them and what have you? So, and then what does it mean that they transported them onto the ship? Are they trying, are they all impregnated with Gorn? Are they all going to be busting this out? Are there enough stasis fields to keep them in control? I don't know. So there's so much that this show ends on that they confidently know you'll be back for season three to see how this ends up. And I think that's uh, incredible of the show and the writers and the creators. And I think the other thing they've done, look, they, I think they've done a really nice job of fleshing out the how what it feels like the Federation Klingon war this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That you know, like the, the Federation and Klingon, like that whole relationship that kind of like goes throughout all of the Star Trek yeah. uh, movies leading up to Undiscovered Country. And the Borg are awesome. I love the Borg, yeah, but sure. you know, a lot of people kind of by the time we got to the end of Star Trek Picard season three, it's like okay, enough. We've done the Borg. Like, we've done the Borg a thousand times. The Borg are the Borg are the Borg. Great. Like, Resistance yeah. is futile. Like, Voyager did it. First Contact did it. We've yeah. we've gone to that Borg well a lot. And I think Terry Metalis kind of told the final Borg story. I mean, yes, he really kind of did. Yeah. But so, the Borg, you know, we're great. Uh, the Klingons are great. Romulans, great. Cardassians, cool. But they've taken 
the shitty lizard costumes from the original series and really developed sort of this xenomorph race within the Star Trek universe that's really compelling and really creepy and really scary and a kind of threat that we've not seen before. Uh, Even though we have seen the Gorn in the original series, we've not seen him like this. So I think, you know, I think Enterprise, uh, they face the Gorn, uh, real weird CG looking Gorn, early CG looking Gorn. But like the way they sort of develop them out in this, like it's a really compelling new um, piece of the Star Trek universe uh, world that I think they've really done a nice job developing and building out. And I think what you bring up earlier, Mike, is is excellent to consider as well. What did that Gorn want on the Cayuga ship? What are they trying to get? What files? Uh, why are the Gorn acting the way they're acting, as uh, Laon points out earlier in the episode? What is the desperation here that's going on with the Gorn? Why are all these ships amassing on the line uh, there, the demarcation line? What is the situation? So we're left with a lot of questions and a desperate Gorn is probably a more dangerous Gorn. Uh, and maybe the Federation knows somewhat what's going on. They haven't given uh, the Enterprise the full intel. And the Enterprise sends back that intel about the solar flares and imitating the signals that Scotty figured out. So they've got that intel. But does the Federation know more than they're telling Pike about what's going on with the Gorn? Certainly we've seen, Mike, in the most recent Star Trek uh, series here that have come out since they've all started coming out of Paramount Plus, questioning the federation and the federation's intel um intentions and the federation's knowledge is still a part of star trek just like it was in the original series occasionally when kirk would have issues with the federation or there were court martials or trials with the federation and as we saw in the original in the original series movies where the federation even in star trek six uh members of the federation are part of a plot to stop this klingon yeah. Uh, and uh, Federation Union. So we see that the Federation has um, has some actors within them that aren't necessarily fully buying into the mission of the Federation, or do, or they are, but in a very warped way. So I like that that's still an element of this going on. It is, you know, I recently I recently rewatched Undiscovered Country, and I'd forgotten yeah. that part of it. That like, so yeah, good. even in Undiscovered Country, like that's where we started to see this. Like, the Federation doesn't always have to be like perfect. Like it's the, you know, even though that was Gene Roddenberry's original vision that we're going to have this kind of utopian future that we can all aspire to, that sometimes uh, our sci-fi is better when it's a little bit of a reflection back on the world we live in. And so like with Undiscovered Country going, yeah, there are humans and Klingons and Romulans that are all like, no, let's keep this war going. Let's keep everybody hating each other. It will be better for us. I don't like, I don't want the Klingons in the Federation. Um, And seeing... Like we said, the discussion that Pike and Mbenga had a few yeah. weeks ago about Klingons and the then the discussion and that Pike has with the Admiral and that Pike has with Laon yeah. about the Gorn. Like like I said, we're we're continuing to come back to this thing of the way that we look at others. Yeah. Um, right. and look, and that, and it, and it cuts both ways. Like it's easy right. for us, uh, on the, on the, on the left progressive side of things to be like, this is how the right looks at people of color, immigrants, LGBTQ yeah. people, the trans community, whatever. But to be fair, it's also the way that people on the left and progressives look at people on the far right. Like, like we all yeah, other yeah. everybody, like that's a part of human nature. 100%. And so to see Star Trek sort of, uh, throw that back to us and say, Hey, let's, uh, yeah. Even when something is a giant lizard monster, that's impregnating babies in your body. Like maybe there's more to the story. Star Trek has always been about highlighting the injustices to 
make it possible for people to find a way to come together. The overall point of Star Trek is to come together. The Federation, in its mission, is about bringing people together. Do they always make the right choices? For example, Admiral uh, April saying, well, Parnassus Beta is outside the Federation line, so we don't need to help them or we don't need to give all. Even though the reason Captain Patel was there was to try to convince them to join the Federation, which she says at the beginning, they were given the vaccinations, and the people there, Parnassus Beta, were worried about joining the Federation because it would put a target on their back. And those people who were probably part of that political spectrum down there on Parnassus Beta now are like, I told you, we mess with the Federation. This is what can happen to us. So I like that there's really interesting elements bubbling all around this thing that feel real world and connected. But at the end of the day, it is about understanding. Even Sam said that. Sam, a little bit of the ash uh, from uh, Alien there saying, well, I want to figure out what makes them work. I want to know what they're all about, and I'll use the phaser to stun them so I can analyze them or whatever. So, uh, you know, the elements are all there to try to understand rather than just other and destroy. And so right. I think that's always been the mission of Star Trek, and I like that even amongst the madness of this, there is still that desire to figure out what, uh, find a way to connect and have peace in the situation so we'll see what season three leads up to uh any final words on this particular episode michael that we didn't hit on that you want to make sure we highlight no just i mean like, like i said this is a really just well done well crafted well acted well uh visualized episode of star trek like it was it was thrilling and fun it was as dramatic and exciting as action-packed as the best of Discovery, yeah. while still having some of those like that heart character and a little bit of humor that Strange New Worlds is so good at. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree with you 100%. Uh, um, I had a, a couple of nitpicking issues with the Patel stuff. I, I hope the Nurse Chapel and Spock stuff gets resolved. Remember, Christine says to him, "Don't do, when he tries to apologize, don't save that. We'll, have, we'll do that another time. What's that conversation going to be like down the road when they do do it another Because remember... Dr. Roger Corby, who was mentioned in this episode, or Dr. Corby, rather, who was mentioned in this episode, he will, you know, become fiancé with Nurse Chapel, then break up with Nurse Chapel over the next five to six years. So it's going to be interesting to see how much Corby is going to be a part of next season. And then, like, season. make, like, right. weird robot versions of people. Isn't that what he does? <laughs> yes, Doesn't he, he, does. does he make weird robot versions of people? Well, I mean, isn't that a reason for breaking up the relationship? I feel like it is. I feel like it is if it gets a little Every too time I meet a guy on Grinder, we go out on one date, find out he makes weird robot people. Like, it is a tale as old as time, guys. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> take over the world! Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, Michael, I do want to ask you this as we wrap it up because it's our final review of season two. What are your overall thoughts for season two, uh, either compared to season one or overall as a standalone Star Trek se- uh, season, uh, Star Trek season, a season of Star Trek, rather? What's your thoughts? I think season two is better across the board than season one. Mm-hmm. I think season one was super enjoyable. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, but season one was like, let's do a bunch of really crazy, fun sci-fi situations with this cast of characters. And they did. And it it was different than what we had seen. Like, we really got to do those, like, weird, fun sci-fi episodes of the week. But it felt a little bit, and I really enjoyed it, but it felt sometimes like the situation was more interesting to the creative team than the characters. Like, Pike was great, Spock was great, but it kind of felt like Uhura, Ortegas, La'an, some of these other characters, like, they were kind of, they were along for the ride, they were fun, but you didn't get to really 
Yeah. Really dive in. You did a little bit. Like it wasn't not like it was like poorly done, right, right. but I feel like the story was the driver more than the characters were. And I think with season two, they continued to just swing for the fences in doing some of the weirdest things that we've seen in Star Trek, but put all of the characters at the forefront. So I feel like we just got to spend a lot more time with every single member of the crew and really dive in and really get to know them more. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, and the type of storytelling that really, that I respond to, um, season two worked even better than season one for me. And so I'm, I'm really, um, uh, anxiously awaiting more strange new worlds. Yeah. I'm going to agree with Michael. Uh, I think season two was better than season one, even though season one was really great. I think Michael absolutely nails it. it. It, the, the um, idea was great. The execution wasn't always great in terms of connecting up the characters and furthering their storylines as effectively as they did in this season. Now, maybe this season is so good because of what they did in season one. But if you're looking at it as a standalone series, this season two, there was a confidence. There was a belief. There was a, a cockiness. There was a, a, a knowledge that they could pull this stuff off and really focus on the heart. Always check back in to the heart of the relationships because that's really the strength of Star Trek. Yes, it's all aspirational, but it's the strength of the relationships, the connections you make with these characters and the journeys that they go on that is always the best Star Trek. And I thought this entire season did a really great job of fleshing out all these characters here on Enterprise and all and not on the center Enterprise, on Farragut, on yeah. Cayuga giving them also a little bit of time here for us to connect to them and, and feel a, a real desire to see more of them. So they effectively did that and uh, did some wonderful, great, wonderfully great episodes into new situations, darker situations, fun situations with Lower Decks and musicals. And then at the end, wrap it up by reminding you there's real serious stakes going on for this crew amidst all the jokes and the humors and the connection and the in inside uh, smirks and whatever, there's real stakes that they're responsible for. And I like that they made sure we remembered that as we go into uh, season three, whenever that yeah. may be down the road, Mike, for sure. Um, all right, there you go. That's our uh, spoiler review for the uh, season 10 uh, for season two, episode 10 here uh, of on the geek buddies. Thank you so much for joining us and for joining us through the entire season. We appreciate it madly. Michael, what do we have to tell us? Well, if you would like to follow us, you can do so on Twitter at Geek underscore Buddies, on Instagram at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, you can do so at The Roca Says. If you would like to follow me, you can do so at MKTune. And after you do all that, we would also enjoy it if you would smash that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, leave your comments below. What did you think of this season finale? What did you think of this season overall? And what are you excited about for Strange New World Season 3? Let us know below in the comments. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some comments and stars there so that more people can find us and we go up in the rankings and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go uh, and don't forget our main episode dropped yesterday it was a live episode where mike and shannon took care of most of the episode talking about all the topics going on while well, i was suffering through some car trouble but i jumped on at the end to have fun with them talking some great q a questions from the fans and the listeners uh, uh, and the viewers of the Geek Buddy. So thank you all so much. And if you haven't watched the episode, it is up now uh, and also on the podcast stream feed. Uh, all right, there you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for Michael Vogel, I am John Roca here on The Geek Buddies. Hey! hey!
in a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real. It's intimate. And it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard, every story is valued, so be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.